All right, Merry Christmas, Remnant. How are we? Wow, praise God. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you've taken time out of your busy holiday to come worship with us tonight. Uh, I am so excited to be here. Uh, and uh, my hope is that all of us will be able to take aside all the busyness that's going on outside this room. And for the next however long, I think the sermon's two hours, however long, uh, we could... Uh, just focus on God and what God's had for this night. So thank you for coming tonight. We're, we've been in a series um, through the, looking at Christmas through the eyes of the prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah was looking 700 years ahead. And he was talking about this Messiah that was going to come. The one that was going to bring hope and salvation and save people from their sins and restore people back to their God. Now everybody is here tonight celebrating something. Many of us come because we want to celebrate Jesus' birth. But for many, Christmas is a very focused on a baby 2,000 years ago. But for others, it's a great day to celebrate, to see our families, to exchange gifts, to eat too much, to enjoy our many traditions that are part of this time of year. But you can have a great Christmas without much thought at all about a baby born in Bethlehem. So what's the big deal? Why are we here? Why is it that we've all come together to celebrate Christmas, but for many people, this child is no big deal? Christmas for many has never ever really been about Jesus. We've been studying what God told us through the prophet Isaiah 700 years before Jesus was born. He predicted there would be certain clues, certain things that would show us who the Messiah is. And as we spoke about in the last few weeks, he gave us 350 clues, and Jesus fulfilled 300 of them between his life, death, and resurrection. There was no way you could miss the Messiah. There was no way with all the clues, with all the hints, with everything God had given us that you would think you'd be able to miss the Messiah. But Isaiah said, I'm going to give you four unique names, four names. And when you find the person that holds these four names, you will have found the Savior of the world. These four things would separate him from everyone else. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace, that's odd. God could have told us anything about the Messiah, right? He could have named and told us anything. He said, well, he's, he's the Prince of Peace. Other things didn't even make the top four. He, he didn't say he's the Prince of Love or the Prince of Hope or the Prince of Joy or the Prince of Salvation, not even the Prince of Eternal Life. God, through Isaiah, said people would call him the Prince of Peace. How could Jesus be the Prince of Peace? Jesus came and people did call him the Prince of Peace, but he seemed to only bring strife and conflict and division. This Prince of Peace didn't stop wars. He didn't stop violence. He didn't stop abuse. He has come and gone and returned to heaven, and we're still dealing with all those things. Doesn't sound like a prince of peace to me. Look around. Jesus came. He died. He resurrected. 
He returned to heaven and man is still in conflict, still in war, still in violence. We sing Christmas cards and we sing songs that say peace on earth. And many people believe that the mission of Jesus was to bring peace on earth because this child is born. What peace? If that was his mission, he clearly failed. We're no more at peace now than we've ever been. The mission of Jesus was one of division. He says he came to set men at variance with one another. In some way, because of Jesus, even close family members will be at odds with one another. Luke 12, 51, do you not think that I've, do you think that I've come to cause peace on earth? No, no, I'm the prince of peace, but I came to bring division. From now on in one house, there'll be five divided, three against two, two against three. They'll be divided, father against son, son against father. Mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. He says, I didn't come to bring you peace, I came to stir things up. This passage is not an endorsement from Jesus for Christians to use violence. What he's saying about he's not talking about a sword that kills. What he says is, my truth is going to be a sword that divides relationships. And I know that to be true because when I gave my life to Christ, things began to change very quickly in my life. It had a huge impact on my family relationships. The heart of the conflict was that following Jesus, I had adopted a new Lord and a new master, and my view of the world began to change. My values changed. My priorities changed. I didn't change them. They just started changing in me. The more I surrendered to Jesus, the more I became a different person. And that gap between who I used to be and who I became is what separated me from many people that I knew. If we're going to follow Jesus and have him truly be our Lord, then there'll be times when people who don't follow him will not understand us. There'll be times when they will be angry at us, hurt by us, upset with us, argue with us. We have to realize that when we began to follow Jesus, we became citizens of his kingdom. We become exiles in our own communities. We don't exactly fit in anymore. I remember going to church camp and having it drilled into my head that following Jesus will make you hated by the world. They're going to hate you. The world's going to hate you. It's more that Jesus is going to put you at odds with many people that you care about. Not the world, but the people closest to you. Jesus said he didn't come to bring peace, but he would be dividing. Isaiah said the Messiah would be the Prince of Peace. And then Paul tells us, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with everybody. Doesn't that sound crazy? Doesn't it, this is what drives you nuts about the Bible? Live at peace, don't live at peace. He's the prince of peace, but he doesn't bring peace. And you find yourself scratching your head going, what in the world is going on? I've come to cause division and conflict among men and families, but you're my people, so live at peace with everybody. Oh, but by the way, I've asked you to stand against violence and homosexuality and sex outside of marriage and gender issues and abortion and dozens of other topics. Those are the things that are going to cause people to run from you and divide. So go make sure you share my truth. You see, it's a two-edged sword. I want you to go into the world and share my truth, but you're going to find that when you share my truth, you're not going to find Tranquility Bay. You're going to find conflict. 
Jesus didn't come to earth to have everybody hold hands in a hippie circle and sing Kumbaya. That's not why he came. He came to bring upheaval to the world. He came to flip tables. He came to to disrupt false version of teaching that says it's all about tolerance and peace. He came to speak for the oppressed, to loosen the chains, to welcome the sojourner, and to make room for every person who trusts in him to be welcome at the table. So when Isaiah said he'd be called Prince of Peace, what did they understand him to mean? Surely peace was not the absence of conflict. Jesus got himself killed in the midst of great conflict. So what's their definition of peace and why is he called the Prince of Peace? And more importantly, how do I find that peace he's talking about? And suddenly there was an angel with a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Wait a minute. Christmas card I get says peace on earth and goodwill towards men. And that's what the King James says. But if you go to the original Hebrew and you go back and look at what it really says, it's more accurately translated in the NIV and ESV. Peace with those that he is pleased with. Peace is for those who've been reconciled, have had their relationship established back with Jesus. The angels are proclaiming peace on earth. The correct reading is peace among those of goodwill. The peace that the angels are proclaiming, the peace associated with the arrival of Jesus is not for everybody. Even though Jesus came to the earth, even though he came to bring peace, many, many people will never experience his peace. Those who choose to surrender and embrace the gift that God gives us will experience his peace. Those that stiff harm him will never know what it's like to be at peace with God. He came to bring peace. Christmas cards say the message that we would have world peace. And yet if that was his mission, if his mission was to bring world peace, he failed. Just pick up the newspaper. But God's very clear in Scripture. Jesus did not come the first time to establish world peace or to bring peace into human relationships. That wasn't his goal. In fact, it was the opposite. He said, because of him, human relationships will be messed up. Because of him, families will be at odds. And because of him, in many ways, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. So what is this peace that we talk about? How can he be the prince of peace when our world is still in conflict? The peace that Jesus brings to earth, please don't miss this, is peace with God. Jesus came the first time to bring peace with God. He didn't come to bring peace with man. He didn't come to bring peace on earth, to stop wars and conflicts. We live in a world of sin, full of sinful people. And Jesus himself said, we're going to have wars. We're going to have rumors of wars. The peace on earth that the angels talked about, that this baby was going to bring to mankind, was finally we could be at peace with God. He offers it to everyone, but only those who believe and trust in him will ever experience it. You see, our sin problem separates us from God. We're born in conflict with God. And until we fix that problem, every time we think of God, we're going to be anxious. We're going to be concerned. We're not going to be at peace with God because we know about our sin. 
Jesus came that Christmas morning to give every person the opportunity to make peace with God through him. Please don't miss this. The peace that you and I are really seeking is peace with God. The gift of Christmas is that the battle you and I are having with God doesn't have to continue. The internal worry fest that you're living in can stop. Jesus came so that you and I could be reconciled to God and finally fill that void within us which is crying out for peace. And the message of Christmas is what most people don't understand. Until people have peace with God, they will never achieve peace with one another. You see, we think of peace as the absence of conflict. But peace in Hebrew was shalom. It means so much more. It has really nothing to do with battles or wars or world conflict. Shalom is all about God. Shalom is a term that Jewish people use to greet one another and to say goodbye to one another. Shalom carries with it a sense of being in the center of everything that God has for you. To be in the center of his blessings, the center of his will. To be fully connected with God. To be in a perfect relationship with God, full of the blessings that he has for you, and content with who he created you to be. That's shalom. It speaks of completeness, fullness. A type of wholeness that encourages you to give back, to potentially repay something in some way, to pour it out on other people. The biblical shalom refers to an inward sense of knowing that you're complete and whole and loved by God exactly the way you are. Although it can describe the absence of war, most biblical references talk about an inner completeness and tranquility. It describes an inner peace, a sense of all being right. When you say shalom, you're literally saying, may you be full of God's well-being. May you experience all that he has for you. In, in Hebrew teaching, there, there's a point where you, you receive so much shalom from God that you have to pour it out on other people. You're so full of peace that it spills out to you on other people. Shalom will eventually lead people to peace with others. But the primary intent is to be reunited with God in peace. In Romans, Paul talks about the difference between peace of God and peace with God. Peace with God comes from accepting Jesus as your Savior. Until you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you will be in conflict with God because your sin issue will always be in front of you. When you accept Jesus as your Savior, you immediately find peace with God. Many people talk about feeling it just flood over them. There's no middle ground. You're either at peace with God or you're not. There are those who are not at peace with God who will find themselves troubled, fearful, anxious, and full of worry. Paul describes it in Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified with faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because we've been justified, because we have in faith trusted in Jesus, he has connected us to the Father. And because of that, we finally have peace with God. When we think of God, we don't think of punishment. We don't think of the horrible things we've done. We just think of love. For those who love and trust Jesus, not only do they have peace with God, but they promise that they'll have access to the peace of God. Interesting that that promise comes on the back end of a command not to worry. 
It's almost as God knew that worry would be our barometer of our peace with God. I know the times in my life when I begin to worry, I know I'm not at peace with God. Something's wrong. And he says in Philippians 4, 6, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, with prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And here's the promise. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. We have no anxiety about God. We know we're at peace with him. We know he could return tonight, and we'd still be at peace with him, saved, secured, and wrapped in his love and peace. You see, Jesus came on an earthly mission to bring us peace with God, knowing that it would cause a lack of peace with other men. He knew. In fact, being at peace with God always causes conflict with those who are not at peace with him. When Isaiah said this child would be called the Prince of Peace, he was telling us that Jesus would be the Prince of Shalom. The prince of everything being right with God, being in the fullness of his presence and his blessings. Jesus was surrounded with conflict. Everywhere he went, people were stirred up against him. His mission was to bring the peace of God to those who would choose to have peace with God. That peace he brought, he didn't only bring to us, he gave us as a gift. If you want to know what the gift was that Jesus brought to mankind, it's peace with God. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, he says. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I'm going to reestablish your relationship with God, and then I'm going to give you a sense of peace that's out of this world, that's supernatural, that's going to guard your heart and your mind. You'll go through some horrible things, but somehow deep inside, you're just going to know it's okay. Tells us we'll be given God's supernatural peace once we're filled with the Holy Spirit after we believe. Peace on earth, peace between men, that's going to have to wait till He comes back the second time. The incredible news of Christmas is that we can live in a fallen, sinful, violent world and still experience peace with God and carry with us the peace of God straight from the throne. He is the Prince of Peace, Isaiah tells us. Look at how the disciples described it. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Note that he says, in me. The peace with God comes through Jesus himself. You will never find peace in your life or with other people or with God on your own. He, note he says you may have it. He doesn't guarantee it. Many in this room and listening online know you're not at peace with God this Christmas. You know it. You haven't surrendered to Jesus. You know that when you think of God, your first thought is, I hope they grade on a curve. Jesus doesn't guarantee it, but he says, look, I came to offer peace to every person. You can have it if you want it. I'm not going to force it on you. I'm going to die for you. You can choose to accept it or not. You can live your life full of worry and anxiety and fear of the future and fear of death and fear of all these things. Or, or, or you could live in shalom. Also, we don't create the peace in our soul. God does. 
You can't stir it up. When you're going through difficult times and you need peace, all of a sudden you're flooded with peace and you know it's not yours. Isaiah 26.3, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. God's the one that keeps us at peace. God's the one that steps into our circumstances, into our darkness, and says, I got this. Not only does Jesus bring us the gift of peace with God, he keeps us there in shalom. So why is this Messiah called Prince of Peace? If the gift of Christmas is peace with God, why did Isaiah call him the King of Peace? Once again, we have to understand what the original audience thought of when they heard the word prince. You see, to them, a prince was one who carried potential. One who's guaranteed to be king, but not yet fully established in that role. When Jesus came back the first time, he gives them a foreshadowing of the peace that one day will come when he returns. He's the prince of peace. He's ushering the potential of the kingdom to come. The kingdom or government that's going to be on his shoulders one day will be a a world of total peace. He'll come to set things right. Jesus came the first time. He said, don't think that I have come to bring peace. I've come to bring division. However, his message was also a promise of peace to come. He's going to set things right. He's going to come back. And the world we live in after his return will be a perfect world. So what sort of king is he? A peaceful king. One who establishes king not by brutally overcoming people or by defying people or by manipulating people. Jesus has the full potential to just invite us into his peace. I spent many Christmas Eves of my life not thinking about Jesus at all. It's one of the greatest regrets I have in my life. You see, I desperately needed to know the Prince of Peace. I needed above everything else to find peace. I just needed it. I would stay up at night worrying, being anxious, trying to juggle everything, trying to hold everything up. I just wanted to have a sense of peace. And to have a sense of internal contentment. I was exhausted trying to juggle everything, trying to find the peace I desperately wanted. And then I saw it. There were some people in my life who had peace. And I don't mean fake peace. I mean real peace. And I mean their lives were falling apart. And they were just totally at peace. They still had concern, but they were at peace like I'd never seen before. I remember looking at one of my nurse practitioners, and I said, I want that. I don't know what that is. But you give me that pill because I want that kind of peace. And she said, the peace you're seeking for is Jesus Christ. And I remember thinking, oh, no. It can't be. No way. Give me something else. A double dose. of No, it's Jesus Christ. I was weak and I needed help. And I had to admit it. And even worse, the solution involved Jesus and church and all those Christians I'd been making fun of. But it was so clear that they had peace. They had something I didn't have, and I desperately wanted it. And I wanted it so bad that I was willing to pursue it. 
They still struggled in relationships. They still had strained friendships. They still had conflicts with others. Things weren't perfect in their world. They didn't have wrinkle-free lives. But boy, inside them, you could tell they had peace. They weren't in denial. It wasn't some false sense of Christian hope. But they really had peace. They knew God was in control. And because of that, they just had to walk through life. I didn't realize that what I wanted was shalom. I didn't need all my circumstances to perfectly align. I just needed to know deep inside that I wasn't alone, that God was with me, that he hadn't given up on me, and I hadn't separated myself from him. Once I could embrace that God truly had control of everything, I began to grow in my trust of him. I didn't will it to happen, but once I embraced Jesus and kept my focus on him, I started finding this peace in my life. I couldn't explain it. God's promise is true. We will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed on him. Today I walk in a peace I used to only dream about. I had to grow in it. It didn't happen overnight. But I've spent a lot of time alone with God. I know that there's nothing that God can't handle. I know he's Emmanuel. He's with me everywhere I go. He's with you everywhere you go, no matter what you're doing. But I know deep inside, to the core of my soul, not because I decided it, but because it just became part of me, that I'm at peace with God. And I've received the peace of God. I still have moments of anxiety. I still have feelings from the past, but I know those are areas of my life where I'm still trying to control things. Anxiety is my barometer of things I think I'm in control of. And once I confess that sin, my anxiety goes away. God knew that we would all be separated from him. That our mind was never meant to process and operate separate from his spirit. He knew that without him, we'd be wound up in worry and anxiety. And he knew we weren't qualified to be him. So when he inspired and wrote to us through Isaiah... He said, this unique God child will be called four things no other human will ever be called. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and I think he saved the very best for last, prince of peace. You see, Jesus is our gift from God. He stepped into his creation to reestablish peace with him. He knew that we could on our own not restore any peace. He said he'd have to do it for us. He left a gift for us. He said, my peace I give to you. That's why this baby was born on Christmas night. That's why it's so important. Not because he brings world peace, but because of him and in him, you finally have peace with God and you receive the peace of God. He will be called, Isaiah said, Prince of Peace. That's how you'll know him. My peace I give to you. Shalom. May you be full of God's peace this Christmas. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you came to us when we had no ability to do anything about our sin and our separation from you. Every person in this room at one point in their life has had a feeling that they're separated from you. And it's because we were.
or we are. Some hearing my voice tonight, God, don't know what it is even like to experience your peace. Others don't believe in it. Others have experienced it. Others depend on it. So God, tonight, would you just let us spend some time thinking about the Prince of Peace? Jesus, who came down to earth. He came on a mission that would cause division, but would bring peace of us with God, and then he'd flood us with the peace of God. God, this Christmas is the closest Christmas humans have ever had to the return of Jesus. We don't know when you'll be back. This could be the very last Christmas we have on earth before you return. God, we look forward to that day. But I know in this room there are people who are not prepared. People who truly know if you showed up, they'd be separated from you forever. So God, you offer the gift of peace to all of us. It's through faith in you that we receive the gift. God, I pray that every person hearing my voice this Christmas will open the most important gift ever given to mankind, the gift of peace. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 